Ojo, and welcome to Radioactive, a podcast about all things nuclear in Canada. My name is Sarah Gabrielle Barron, and I am recording on Medidominissing, or Manitoulin Island, which is home to the Anishinaabek First Nation people. The Anishinaabek Nation is the Free Fires Confederacy of Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi peoples. I'd like to acknowledge that all of Turtle Island, or North America, is home to traditional First Nations of people. And with this podcast, we'll do everything we can to support and recognize their nation status. Thanks, and let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Edwards. How are you? It's very nice here, even though we're in confinement because of the COVID. Yeah. Dr. Gordon Edwards, um, in 1975, he co-founded the Canadian Coalition for Nuclear Responsibility and has its, been its president since 1978. Um, Dr. Edwards um, is a qualified nuclear expert in the courts in Canada and works widely as a consultant in Canada and around the world on nuclear issues. I will include a link for ccnr.org in the information about the podcast. And I just want to say, Dr. Edwards, I was born in 1974. So that means you've been working to um, keep myself and my family and my loved ones safe for pretty much my entire life. And I just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for your life's work. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I was born in 1940, which in and that was just at the beginning of World War II, just a few months after the discovery that uranium could be used to make a very powerful bomb, the atomic bomb. It was only discovered in 1939. Yeah, and and things moved pretty quickly, and and you kept pace um, throughout your life's work. Um, So, Dr. Edwards, we're only on our second podcast here, and I'm I'm asking you to give us kind of an overview of... um, of the nuclear industry, kind of the science of how it works. So let's start out with um, uranium and uranium mining and processing um, where it occurs in Canada and toxicity lessons that have been learned along the way. Okay, well, uranium, Canada has always been one of the world's largest producers and exporters of uranium. And in fact, we got involved, that is Canada, in the World War II atomic bomb project because of the fact that we had uranium, and that uranium was located on indigenous land up near the Great Bear Lake, uh, just about 100 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle, where the Satu Dene have been living for thousands of years. And uh, they had legends about this particular kind of rock formation as being a dangerous rock formation, uh, but there was no explanation as to why it was dangerous. It wasn't until 1939 that it was discovered scientifically that if you subject uranium to certain uh, projectiles, these are kind of little subatomic projectiles. It's like a beam of neutrons that you can channel and direct towards the uranium. Then you can release a lot of energy and uh, you can actually split the uranium atoms into pieces, which was a shocking discovery because up until that time, they thought that all atoms were eternal, that it was just the same atoms all the time that were being recycled and reconnected over and over again into different forms of life. You know, in nature, we have 92 different kinds of atoms. Uranium is the heaviest of those. The word radioactive, because that's the name of your podcast, people might wonder, what is radioactive? What does it mean? 125 years ago, nobody would know what that word means Mm -hmm. because we had no experience with uh, radioactivity until 1896. 
And the way it was discovered was a, a gentleman in Paris, France, had a rock that was actually a piece of uranium ore, and he kept it in a, in a drawer, a desk drawer, away from all forms of light and energy. And he had photographic plates in the same drawer that were wrapped in thick black paper. And when he developed the photographic plates, he found that some kind of invisible light had, had registered on the photograph, uh, some kind of invisible light that was able to penetrate right through that black paper. And that was the first discovery that there was some kind of strange energy, very penetrating energy, that could go right through things that were normally uh, invisible to uh, blocking normal light. Uh, and that's, that's radioactive emissions. So radioactivity is a property of certain materials that give off this penetrating energy. And the funny thing about radioactivity is that it can't be stopped. There's no way to shut it off. So it just keeps giving off this energy year after year, month after month, century after century. And it's amazing. How can a, how can a rock contain so much energy? And that's with the discovery of what we now call nuclear energy. So uranium, now, until... so just to be clear, uranium in its natural state in the ground is slightly radioactive. And then when you, when you force these beams at it and split the atom, I'm, I'm assuming it becomes ridiculously more radioactive. Uh, millions of times more radioactive. And the reason for this is it turns out that what's really working here, radioactivity is a property of atoms that are unstable. Now, most of the atoms around us are stable, like the wood in this table, the, the water in this glass. Um, the body, my body, is mostly non-radioactive. It's made up of normal, stable atoms. But uranium is an unstable atom, and when you split it, you get hundreds of more unstable atoms that are even more radioactive than the uranium itself, hundreds of varieties. And these are called radioactive wastes or radioactive fallout. They're, they're unwanted byproducts of splitting the uranium atom. But once they've been created, they cannot be destroyed. And so this becomes a, those are what we call the radioactive wastes. And those radioactive wastes are going to be around for a very, very long time. Some of them disappear very quickly, but some of them last for years, some of them last for decades, some of them last for centuries, and some of them last for millions of years. And they are very dangerous to humans. And the reason why is because when we get them into our body, uh, they explode inside our body just as they explode outside our body. And the explosions, the little tiny explosions which cannot be seen or felt, they damage the cells that, we, uh, that, that make up our body and those cells can start growing in an incorrect fashion. So if the cell grows in an incorrect fashion, it can become cancer. It can lead to a deformed child. It can lead to all kinds of diseases that are caused by the radiation. And uh, that's why radioactive materials, which were, do not really, most of them don't exist in nature. Most of the radioactive materials created by splitting the uranium atom were never found in nature prior to 1940. So it's a whole new thing, and living things are not accustomed to working with radioactive materials. So we have to keep them out of the environment of living things for millions of years. Right. That's the radioactive So, so we don't. We don't keep them out of the living environment. We, we mine it out of the ground um, in certain places around Canada. And then during that mining process, then it's processed, and then it's sent to nuclear reactors. Mm -hmm. So, That's so right. give us it, a bit more it, detail about that process and what's happening in our country right now. 
Okay, well, what's happening is that we, our first mine, uranium mine, was way up in the Northwest Territories in Great Bear Lake, then in northern Saskatchewan, and then in Elliott Lake, Ontario, just north of where Manitoulin Island is, um, mm -hmm. on, the, on the north shore of Lake Superior, there's the Serpent River system, which drains down into Georgian Bay, and that whole river system became contaminated. There's 18 lakes on that river system because of the waste materials left over from uranium mining. Now, most of those, most of the uranium that was mined at Elliott Lake went into atomic bombs. In fact, it was during the Cold War, after the end of World War II, there were tens of thousands of nuclear wars, uh, weapons built by the Americans, and they used a lot of Canadian uranium. Then later, they decided that since they're producing uh, bombs anyway, why not uh, produce electricity as a byproduct? So when you use a nuclear reactor, the, a nuclear reactor is a place where you can split the uranium atoms. And when you split the uranium atoms, you not only get these, these broken pieces that I was telling you about, but you also get something heavier than uranium. It's a man-made element called plutonium. And that turns out to be an even more powerful nuclear explosive than uranium. And so plutonium has become the major nuclear explosive in the world's nuclear weapons. But it's also produced in every nuclear reactor. Whether it's used for peaceful purposes or not, it still produces plutonium as a byproduct. So here in Canada, we decided that we didn't want to make bombs. We wanted to make electricity. And so we built a lot of reactors, most of them in Ontario. And uh, we used those to produce a large share of Ontario's electricity at, uh, on Georgian Bay at the Bruce plant and then down on Lake Ontario at the Pickering and Darlington plants, there's a total of uh, 18 to 20 reactors, depending on which ones you count, um, all producing electricity. But what they're really producing at the same time, uh, they produce electricity for maybe 40 years, maybe 50 years if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. um, but, the, but they're also producing this radioactive waste, which will remain dangerous for millions of years. So the main product in the long run is plutonium, which lasts for tens of thousands of years, and the radioactive waste, which lasts for millions of years. Oh. And electricity is a kind of a short-term byproduct. So, so well, when, if you were well, to declare what is plutonium, because, you know, with the new, the new nuclear push that's happening with the liberal and conservatives right now, um, they, they are saying that, that plutonium is a new fuel and that they're recycling um, spent uranium into this new fuel. But you're saying that plutonium is actually just a very scary nuclear waste. Well, as, as a matter of fact, Canada's policy up until this year has been to treat the plutonium as a waste and to bury it along with all the other radioactive materials in a deep underground repository somewhere which they haven't yet located. And unfortunately, they're looking in northern Ontario in small communities which had no benefit from, these, from the electricity that was produced down south, but which nevertheless are being hoped it is hoped by the industry that they will allow uh, the Southerners to bury their radioactive waste in the North. Uh, that seems unfair. But uh, recently they've been talking about extracting the plutonium from the waste before burying the waste. The trouble with doing that is that 
In order to get it out of the fuel, which is solid, you have to dissolve the fuel and make it into a liquid form. And in a liquid form, there's a lot of gases, radioactive gases that come off. Everybody's heard of radon gas, which is very dangerous. Uh, it's a radioactive gas that kills a lot of people. Uh, well, there's other radioactive gases that are given off, argon gas and xenon gas and, and krypton gas. And there's also vapors. Vapors are things which start off as gases, but then they re-solidify and they get into the food chain. And these are things like strontium-90 and cesium-137. They're all the broken pieces of uranium atoms that we were talking about. Mm. Um, so getting the plutonium out of the spent fuel is not an easy thing, and it's very messy. And most of the most radioactively contaminated sites on Earth are places where they did this for years, extracting plutonium. Now, yes, it's true that plutonium can be used as a nuclear fuel, but as I mentioned earlier, it can also be used as nu for nuclear weapons. And uh, that's a real danger, because if we promote a technology which encourages people to use plutonium as a fuel, then anybody can just decide, well, instead of using it as a fuel, why don't we make a few atomic bombs and build up an arsenal of nuclear weapons so that everybody will have the ability to develop their own nuclear weapons. And this does not make for a peaceful world. Yeah, yeah, I've looked into into a lot of the work that you do is around um, is around peace treaties and uh, the International Atomic Energy Agency and um, and making that link between um, between nuclear energy and, and nuclear weapons. So that is definitely a topic for a future <laughs> future yeah. interview, Dr. Edwards. This has been amazing. I have a lot to process here, and I think that that is for for our for our new audience and our new listeners that are just coming to the nuclear issue you have explained it very 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 well for us about what's really going on here just to put it in a nutshell the difference between radioactive materials which are human made most of them uh is that they explode and because they explode when they get into your food or into your water or into the air you breathe inside your body they can do a great deal of damage and some of them stay in the body for a long time. And so they do a lot of uh, a little bit of damage every year for many, many years. And uh, eventually this leads to a lot of diseases. This is why the industry and the people not in the industry all agree that we've got to tr do our very best to keep these things out of the environment of living things. Because mm -hmm. once they get loose, they, uh, they cause enormous health problems. Yeah, yeah, and I have a lot of different specialists lined up to talk about um, nuclear waste and and what is the best thing to do with it, um, and who's in charge and and who's being listened to. So so thank you so much, Dr. Edwards. Um, I think we'll we'll close off for now, and uh, and and I'm hoping that you'll be willing to come on to radioactive again in the future. Sure, absolutely. It's an important subject, and it's becoming more important because of what's happening today. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for this, Dr. Edwards. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, miigwech, merci for listening. Please do visit the Canadian Coalition for Nuclear Responsibility, ccnr.org. The link is in the about information for this podcast. We'll see you in the next podcast. Yeah.